Welcome to another episode of the Gospel Lifeline Podcast. My name is Neil Grogan. I'm here with Matthew Statler. And we're back at it again, continuing on in our series on Christian ministry. Matt, we had an interesting topic we discussed last week on the doctrine of priesthood of believers. Why don't you recap that before we move into this next segment? Yeah, the subject of priesthood of believers is so important uh, for us to understand our responsibility as Christians today. Um, you know, we, we talked a little bit about the Roman Catholic Church, and we talked a little bit about the Reformation um, and this doctrine that flows from the solas. And man, Neil, the, the emphasis that I think is that we all are ministers of the gospel. Uh, right. Wherever God has placed us, however God has equipped us or trained us um, or gifted us, we have an obligation to minister the gospel, right? Do the ministry, which is really like what the priests did, right? They administrated the um, sacrifices, the mediating, um, the chopping up of the animals, the, the bloodletting, the whole nine. And so we as Christians are called to mediate the gospel um, that means to distribute it, to um, live a life that's worthy of that calling. Yeah. And so this priesthood of believers concept um, permeates or should permeate how you even think about what church you go to and how you do your life. And that's what we're going to talk about today, Neil. I'm so excited um, to talk about doing ministry, being a, a priest where we are located. Yeah. Yeah, so that kind of brings us into this next segment on uh, developing a sense of place, meaning, you know, where are we, where has God called us to location-wise to to execute that type of ministry, that of priesthood, right? Um, knowing that, man, we've been commissioned by God to essentially, uh, I like to think of it, Matt, like, uh, believers are to stand in the gap to facilitate truth, right, uh, in life, in the way we live, to influence in um, our proclamation of the truth, and to minister to the lost. And you know, I think there's a, I think there's a crisis in our culture, in uh, American culture specifically, and in other places, and that's that we have this crisis of place. Meaning, um, largely because of the kind of individualism of American society, right? We are um, we are wired uh, culturally to um, move, to build, to um, live lean and mean, where, where we can create the most possible return for us as individuals. And so a lot of times what happens is people end up living their lives really as loners and strangers to one another. Um, and without a real clear sense of where their home actually is. And this has affected, uh, and, and I think infected the the Christian life as well, because what we've done is we will make decisions based on monetary gains. We'll make decisions based on uh, climbing um, positional ladders for power and influence. We make decisions um, that keep us from becoming a rooted people. 
And I think that's what we really want to push back against in this podcast. We want to talk about what it looks like to be a, a rooted person doing ministry in a particular context um, or location. You know, um, Wallace Stegner and Wendell Berry, they wrote an article a long time ago uh, saying that there's really kind of two kinds of people in our world. There are boomers and there are stickers. And boomers are people who want to move up in the world. Their desire is to win, consume, uh, to move on to the next thing, the bigger and better thing. There, There's no contentment in this kind of person. They're motivated by greed and power and whatever produces in them the most pleasure or comfort. They have no real need for relationship or community because they're self-made, right? And so what happens is they rush through um, and, and pass through um, life focused on upward mobility and progress. So American history is full of these kinds of people, right? Now, stickers, on the other hand, which is kind of what we're pushing for or arguing for, they find a place and stay. They build a life. They settle in that life and they commit themselves to that particular place. Now, it doesn't mean that a sticker doesn't move, right? <laughs> it doesn't take another job. But when they get to that next location, they invest. They um, don't just uh, consume, but they begin to produce in that particular place. And and this is this is a biblical context concept for sure. You know, I think the first text that uh, kind of comes to my mind is Psalm 16, five through six, where um, the psalmist says, Lord, you've assigned me my portion and my cup, and you've made my lot secure. And the boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. And so um, the first question, I think, um, we need to maybe ask and, and try to answer is what is a delightful inheritance? How do we how do we view the places we've been called? Neil, and what I what I don't want people to hear as we we approach this is not that and, and you said this, but sometimes we need repetition, right? Sure. It's not that you never move or you never take the next position or the best paying job is we want you to be careful um, and consider what is my ultimate goal. Yeah. Right. And so, you know, as we talk about inheritance, um, I think there's a natural human longing for a sense of place. Um, and we, we don't want to separate that from the biblical data. I mean, we know that the Israelites were in exile significant amount of times. And so for them, a sense of place, boundary markers, inheritance was a, a very physical thing for them. Sure. Um, and so, you know, when I think about this subject, I think about um, what has God called me to invest in? Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, I'm investing in my children. I'm investing in uh, my wife, my spouse. Uh, for me as a pastor, I'm investing in the church, my church, my local church. And then, of course, how can I... Um, help the bigger church. And so my conformity or my obedience to the Lord as a steward of what he has given me increases my capacity to enjoy Jesus. 
Yeah. Um, so for me, I'm enjoying Christ by being a good steward. Um, if I'm always looking for the bigger, better church, or if I'm always looking for or lacking contentment where I'm placed, uh, I'm not enjoying Christ. I'm not keeping my eyes on him. Um, and so for me, Christ is my inheritance. Um, that's what I'm longing for, looking forward to it in the end. Um, and as I'm doing that, then I'm getting my priorities in place at the home. Yeah. Um, so that's that's kind of for me when I when I think about this inheritance subject. Yeah. Do we see these natural boundary lines as gifts from God or like a delightful inheritance? Right. I think there are many different types of boundary lines. But I like I love how you kind of cued in on or keyed in on a relational boundary lines. Like, for instance, I have four children. Right. Those are relational boundary lines in my life. My, I'm married uh, to my wife, Brittany. Uh, that is, uh, my marriage is a boundary line for me to invest in and to see as a delightful inheritance from the Lord. Uh, not only that, I've been called specifically uh, to the area around surrounding Fort Hood. Um, and so understanding what that community looks like and is like is is a boundary line for me to do that, uh, that priesthood in. Right. And so I, and you know, because we have a lot of military listeners, I think it's really important that we kind of pause on this and kind of sit in this for a second, because what I've seen in my own time in the service and then in, uh, what I've seen in other people's lives is because there's always a PCS coming, um, people, uh, in the service particularly or any kind of transient type of profession will um, choose not to invest in those boundaries, not see it delightful with delight as an, in, an inheritance from the Lord um, because they're going again. And so like one of the things our church really tries to convey and communicate is that God's called you to this place for a particular um, set of time, right? And while you're here, you are to invest in the Lord's calling on your life in this space, in this place, and to see this as an inheritance from the Lord that's good um, and not um, like a curse, right? Like a lot of people uh, get stationed at Fort Hood, and Fort Hood's a hard place to be stationed. You know, you know that personally, right, Matt? It's right. <laughs> there's there's a lot of stuff going on. There's uh, there's a lot of frustrations um, with people, and and frustrations just generally with sin in that context, right? I've heard it said often that Fort Hood feels like there's a dark cloud that sits overhead, and yeah. uh, there's evil everywhere, right? Well, for the believer. We don't look at this place as we're sitting in Satan's throne room, right? But we're right. in fact, uh, we've been called by God to shine light in this space, to invest That's in right. this space instead of, um, you know, uh, complaining and grumbling about the places that God has called us to. And so um, maybe let's do this. What are some some particular ways you can invest if you're transient in the place that you've been called by God, even if it's for a short season of life. 
I think the first is to to enter into the world that you are you're coming into. Yeah. Um, so uh, we we've had some quite a few couples come through here, military wise. Um, some just come, they they sit in the back and they leave immediately. They don't, they don't go to meals. They don't go to they don't get involved. They just come, they hear the sermon, and then they leave. Um, then we've had others who come and get involved with the children's ministry. Uh, and just pour their hearts out into our, our community. And it's much harder when they have to leave because, man, we love them so much. Uh, but they've invested with the short amount of time that they have. They made this huge impact on our congregation uh, just in the very little time that they're with us. I mean, uh, one or two years even. Mm-hmm. And so they enter into the world and see what the needs are. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so f- for us as a, as a church, we're in Sierra Vista. We're, that's where we're st- our, our church is located. And so we want to enter into our community, right? What is going on in our community? Um, how can we invest in the people? So the first step, of course, is to enter, which means to understand, mm. which is what we see Jesus do, right? He comes to the earth. He puts on human flesh. And he lives this this life amongst the people, um, yeah. which then engenders compassion, right? And if you have compassion for the broken and the and the hurting, you don't think of this place as the devil's armpit. You think of this as <laughs> no, that's what that's what Colleen was called when I was there. Yeah. <laughs> uh, we don't see it, we don't see it that way. We see no; these are people that are suffering and hurting that need the gospel of Jesus Christ, and so. That's what I. That's that's the mission I'm about. Mm-hmm. Uh, so yeah, you enter into the world, you you show compassion, you begin to understand the struggles, uh, the unique struggles people are going through, and that really that's the first step is is being involved in your local community, whether it be on a grand scale or a small scale. Yeah. So just kind of for a, a, a summary statement, we would say step one: if you're a believer is to root yourself in Christian community. Uh, don't don't delay that investment. So what that yeah. looks like is, hey, we need to find a healthy church where we can be discipled, where we can invest in service, exercising our spiritual gifts in that community, uh, and also um, making, making it a priority or a value uh, to participate in the things that are going on in that uh, local church context. And then second, we would say, root yourself in the larger community of that, you know, city. And so there's many ways you can do that. Um, Practically speaking, you know, to go back on what you're saying, Matt, of like, where is God at work in this city um, that I can exercise my gifts in? That includes my workplace. That includes, um, you know, what what your kids are already doing, like say they're in sports or whatever else, you you root yourself in that community. Uh, community. Um, what third spaces are we a part of? Is it a park? Is it a YMCA? Is it you know um, a gym? Whatever. But I'm gonna root myself in that space, meaning I'm striving to know the people and build relationships with the people, so that I can proclaim truth to those people and uh, live the gospel in the, that context, right? Um, 
And those are like that. That's a quick snapshot of like two key components, right, Matt? Yeah, and I think what you're saying, Neil, is so important. You, you know, you said root yourself in a local community of believers, uh, and I think it's like a lot like when you when you go on deployment and you're assigned to a task force, mm-hmm. right? They've already been in the area. They've already got a mission. They've already got a strategy and a plan. And you're just coming alongside with your own particular set of skills and abilities and um, equipment and, and, you know, T-O-N-E and all that different stuff. And you bring that with you into the fight. Um, and, you know, like like I mentioned, that one couple that came in and served in the nursery, right? They, they really plussed us up in an area where we had desperate need um, at a particular time. Man, that's exactly, exactly what you, you want. And you need to be anchored somewhere. Cause it's very easy to get b- tossed to and fro just with the, the busyness of life. Right. So yeah, that's, that's really the first step. Look for the, you know, join a missional church that's outreaching to the neighborhood and, and put your energy in there. Yep. Yeah. And you know, just to come, come a little bit wider to like, say you're a, I don't know, a stay at home mom or you're a working mom or, uh, you're uh, a retiree or whatever, like, what are some, what are some ways you can invest and root yourself? Well, I think like, um, there are homeschool co-ops that you can be a part of, um, to know people. There are parks you can invest in and say, Hey, this is our park. Like we're going to be, uh, actively in this space, you know, like my wife on, um, Tuesdays <laughs> basically runs this. I feel like it's a park ministry now <laughs> and some other ladies in the church have, have done it. Brittany just kind of took it over and they basically they, she's organizing, Hey, some of the women from the church, we're going to go to this park and we're going to enter into this space and build relationships in that uh, particular context. Um, and that gives us opportunities for our kids to know other kids, you know, whether they know Jesus or don't, but it also gives us opportunities or them opportunities to know the mo- other mothers in our city uh, so that we can uh, come alongside them and be uh, a lighthouse, right, in in, in a dark space. Um, Neil, yeah, Neil that's, that's so good, man, because I think that allows you to see what kind of family dynamics are a part of the culture, yeah. right? Is it grandma or grandpa that is always bringing the kids to the park during the day? Um, or is it a mom or a dad, right? And you can start to see, is this a community with a lot of uh, joblessness? Or is this a community with a lot of um, moms and dads having to work or, or, or work, moms are working because um, they want to for financial, whatever. Um, yeah, I mean, that that's so, so valuable in being able to enter into that community. Yeah, man. And I've even seen like some retired men and say they enjoy fishing. Right. And what they'll do is they'll say, I'm a fish at this particular dock (laughs) where there's other fishermen there, you know, throughout the week and they build relationships. So I think the first like, uh, or an additional practical measure you, you can take when we're talking about doing, um, Christian ministry, being the priesthood of believers in a local context is that we are looking at a particular place where we 
we're going to go anyway, but we're doing it with intention to build strong ties or strong roots, right? But building a rooted life means that we have to push back against other things also. Yeah. And so, you know, for the next few minutes, let's talk about some of those things we need to push back. And, and by the way, for the listeners out there, there's a really great article that uh, Jeremy Lineman or Lineman um, wrote kind of on this subject matter that's kind of serving as our um, uh, what outline, if you will, for, for what we're talking about. And the first thing that he encourages to push back against or to question is that idea of upward mobility. So, so what does that mean? Um, oftentimes when you're in the workforce, you'll be presented with opportunities in your career, uh, which will, will cause you to move, uh, for the purpose of monetary gain, right. Or, uh, title or whatever else. Right. And so, um, one, one of the things that I see happen a lot, especially with like military members who, uh, get out of the service is they immediately look to, uh, and not that they don't need to find a job cause they do, but they immediately look maybe for what's the next bigger opportunity for them. And that'll cause them to have to move to far off places away from the community and the strong roots that they've already built. And, uh, what happens, I think one of the lies of the enemy is, hey, the grass is a lot greener over here. And so when you move, uh, maybe because you move because of a job, yeah, you make 15000 more a year, but there's no good church or there's no there's no great schools <laughs> or there's, you know, there's these other um, circumstances that would um prove a stumbling block to you being able to really root yourself well in that next space because you're totally invested in the job, right? So you've lost that relational inheritance because you're focused on upward mobility, right? What are some other things that you see uh, or issues or pitfalls chasing after upward mobility can produce? Yeah, you know, the, the upward mobility virus is so contagious, right? Like we just if we get a bigger truck or a bigger car, we can have more family road trips and off-roading. But in order to afford that bigger truck, you're going to have to work more. The more you work, the less time you're going to have. And so your truck's going to sit in the driveway uh, collecting dust, right? Mm. Um, and, and the same thing is it, it, there's a selfishness in it where we say, well, we want this, we want it, and we'll, this will give us more money so we can provide better for our kids. Well, does your kids need the most recent, you know, uh, Air Jordans, right? Or, or can you have more family time? Yeah. So there's that. But, you know, thinking on the military side of things, um, there there's a, a, a type of upward mobility that I fell into or uh, guys like me fall into in the military. And that's the, the badge and the patch chasing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. How many schools can I get? And and so I'm off to Fort Benning. I'm off to Fort Bragg. I'm I'm going to Air Assault. I'm going to, to Airborne. I'm going to Pathfinder. I'm going to Ranger, you know, and, and or I got to go try that out for special forces because that's going to be the tip of the spear. I want to be the hardest guy that I can be. And, and 
And, you know, so if you're not going to a school, you're training to go to a school. And if you're not training to go to a school, you're looking at your next school, right? Like it's this constant building up of your, um, your file, your, your, your stack or whatever, your portfolio. And at some point you may want to wonder, is this necessary? Right? Like, yeah, it, it's cool to have all this good, you know, all this stuff, but what is, what is the purpose of our life? And, uh, you know, for me, I medically retired at 10 and a half years. And if that had been my sole focus, my whole career and my family had been put on the back burner and then at 10 years medically retired, I mean, nobody cares if I went to any kind of like, Oh, you went to the army reconnaissance course. That, that's cool. That doesn't, that doesn't do jack for you in a, in a regular civilian job. And so, um, our priorities need to be examined. Um, you know, we could say, make sure that your ladder is put on the right, uh, the right wall that you're trying to climb. Yeah. Yeah. And I think, uh, there's some, there's some promises that, uh, that kind of mobility can offer. Right. Um, Promises like leave behind your old relationships and limits and find the space for your great ambitions and uh, that that require really no commitments from you. So it's it's a false promise of freedom, essentially. Right. That, hey, now you have freedom to change the world or (laughs) whatever it is, you know. Um, But what happens oftentimes in that quote unquote freedom is you end up running away from Christ and what Christ has called you to instead of running to him and driving in uh, deep and strong roots in a particular place where you can actually make an eternal impact or add eternal value in that space. Um, Neil, that that article that you mentioned earlier, it mm -hmm. says most of us, whether in the marketplace or vocational ministry, will have the greatest witness in the places where we have relationships and history. Yeah. Even though it requires accepting our place and staying in the story. Mm. Um, and, you know, there's so much biblical basis for this. It's almost um, an embarrassment that we have so much riches in the word that talks about this. But look at Paul. Um, his missionary journey involved years of tent making and going from house to house um, spreading the gospel and putting and really putting down roots in a community uh, where he continually worked with people and then then cried tears right in uh, Acts 20 uh, 20 and, and that area Miletus. Um, Paul is, yeah yeah and, and Miletus with the Ephesian elders he said I didn't I didn't shy away from giving you the whole counsel of God he's like I was in your homes I was in the market I was all over the place with you sharing the word and they cried for each other. So yeah. there's a, a an emotional transparency. There's a, a level of, of accountability. And he was able to really impact their lives because he invested for a significant amount of time. Yeah, I love that you brought up Paul here because I think a lot of people would say, well, Paul was constantly on the move. And so that's their like uh, justification for uh, going against all the things that we're talking about right here. But I think it's important that when Paul goes to plant a church, even if it's for a short time or a longer time, like, for instance, in Ephesus, he spent years in Ephesus, years, and uh, in building these kind of relationships. He even would appoint, 
you know, like Titus uh, to Crete or Timothy to Ephesus to to further drive these strong roots. So he never he never shied away from putting down roots. I think that's really key. Even when he left those places, he still would invest as best as he could back into those places while he continued on that missionary journey or those missionary journeys he engaged in. Uh, I think, Matt, too, man, we see this in our profession a lot with pastors. Um, I remember um, serving in a church where um, they had a picture of every pastor the church had ever had since like 1950 on the wall. And one of the things that really struck me was that all of these pastors, short of like two of them, had only been there for about two years. And there's even in Christian ministry, vocational Christian ministry, there's this idea of climbing climbing a corporate ladder where a pastor will go from place to place until he ends up in a larger church setting, right? where he has the most influence he finally desires. And, you know, and it's never as it cracks up to be, right? I think that's a lot, that's a large evidence for why pastors are constantly quitting uh, ministry. And it's because every time they jump ship, when they think that that next place is going to produce the contentment for their restless spirit that they have, um, it, it lets them down. Why? Because it's a false hope. <laughs> and uh, man, this idea of upward mobility really kind of come, if we were to strip it down, it's a false hope that we're putting in um, what a job could produce. And it's, it's, it doesn't build those, that relational capital that you actually are what you're desiring, right? Um, so what we want to encourage you to do is to put down some some strong roots and to stay in that story like matt said stay in build history in a place um even if it's for three years you're building a history in this place i've been really encouraged matt we planted a church in 2019 and uh uh about two of two two of kind of the final military families that helped us plant just left and uh, man, some of the things they said at our most recent members meeting were so encouraging because they they stood before these other members and they said, invest like the biggest gift of their lives was uh, joining in this plant and investing in their community, community of believers in the city. And they said they learned more and the Lord sanctified them more than than they could have ever imagined by choosing to be rooted, to stay in the story and not just kind of be foot in, foot out kind of people, which happens a lot of time in a transient context. Uh, so Matt and I, man, we want to encourage y'all to get rooted, to execute this priestly, these priestly duties the Lord has given you through Christ, um, to exercise your spiritual gifts in the church and outside of the church and to be a, a light on a lampstand, right? Um, don't be foot in foot out folk, but live a rooted light life. Um, until next time, guys, we thank you for listening to the gospel lifeline podcast, Neil and Matt. We out.
Thank <laughs> you.